Welcome to Left Out, reality-based independent radio on WRCT 88.3 FM and podcasting on the World Wide Web at leftout.info. Left Out discusses the news from a perspective left out of the mainstream media. I'm Bob Harper. I'm Danny Slater. And today's program is, as ever, produced by Matt Horniak. Uh, listeners are invited to call us at uh, 412-268-9728 whenever you like during the program to talk to us or to our guests. You can also send electronic mail to bob at leftout.info, and we monitor electronic mail during the, during the broadcast. So uh, no, no uh, special announcements uh, um, that I uh, have today. Eventually, we'll be announcing some major films coming out uh, in the area, but uh, nothing nothing to announce this week on that front. Um, we have a guest, um, Carl Johnson, who um, is, uh, is a Pittsburgher who um, has been involved in disaster relief uh, for Hurricane Katrina. And um, Carl is here with us in the studio mm-hmm. to talk about um, what's going on in, in uh, mm-hmm. coastal Mississippi where he was, uh, where he was working. Right. Welcome right. to Left Out, Carl. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. So what is the, uh, what are your, you know, if you could just give the high-level uh, picture of what you, what you were doing there and, and, and uh, what, you, what you think was the most interesting and important message you have. Okay. Okay. I went down there um, because I thought that, uh, first of all, I was, I was moved by the, what I saw on, on the news and what I heard on the radio um, about Katrina. Um, and I was I was moved to to want to get involved personally. There was a group from the southwestern Pennsylvania southwestern Pennsylvania Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America that was going down there, and I had an opportunity to be a part of that group, and I signed up and and volunteered. Um, I guess I went down there not knowing exactly what to expect, but um, when I got down there, I was totally blown away by the extent of the devastation, um, you know, listening to the radio and watching television, all you hear about is New Orleans. Um, the, the ground zero for the, for the hurricane was really closer to, like, Biloxi, Mississippi. Um, New Orleans gets all the publicity because there's, there are more people in New Orleans, and that's certainly justified and understandable. Um, but my sense after having been down there was that the people of Mississippi were feeling kind of left out. So that's why I am, am here this evening to talk to talk to you about that. So what period of time? When were you there? Which I, one? I was there between um, January 29th and February 12th. Oh, this year. So you just this, pretty right. much just got back. Just got back. Okay. That's correct. And so when you were down there, I guess, did you guys take a bus together or something like that? And, yeah, it was, uh, a, it was a 20-hour bus ride. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I, I don't envy that. And so when you got there, what, what were you guys, what did you do? What were you up to? Well, um, we, were, we were working out mm-hmm. of a, a place called Christus Victor Lutheran Church. And uh, Christus Victor is a, is a, <clears throat> a church that has, that, that has a number of programs at it. Um, it's, it's funded by a, a sort of a group of, of Lutherans and Episcopalians down there um, and uh, called Lutheran Episcopal Disaster Response. Um, and they have trailers and they, they had organized, you know, pre- <clears throat> in, actually in, in April of last year, they got their 501c3, I guess, for, for providing, being, you know, being organized to provide relief to disa- for disasters, hurricanes that might come in the area. They had no idea, you know, that, that it was going to be quite this bad uh, after Katrina. Nobody was really prepared for anything quite this bad. Um, but 
they they have a, a, a number of services that they offer. Uh, first is they have a food kitchen where they feed um, victims uh, of, from from the area. Uh, anyone who wants to uh, can come in and, and, and eat food there. Uh, it's, meals are provided, three meals per day. Um, and and they, they also feed volunteers. Um, they have a, a distribution center where they hand out supplies, like a three-day supply, three-day packet of food for a family um, with various supplies that, again, have been donated from all over all over the all over the country and from many different many different faith groups, um, not only Christian but Jewish and, and you know Muslim yeah. oh, and sorry. Okay. Um, th- then they have a, a medical clinic um, where they, which is staffed by volunteer doctors uh, from around the country who who come down there for a period of time, and uh, and 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 nurses as well. And then they have uh, community workers, um, w- people who volunteers who come down from here again all around the country to to spend a week. Um, you know. Tearing out um, old drywall, old mildewed drywall, uh, old you know mildewed, mildewed uh, floorboards, uh, whatever needs to be done. Uh, they they also do some yard cleanup and things like that. So that's that's kind of those are the 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 uh, various dimensions that they're involved in. So when you say the devastation was was, can you just talk about that for a second? When you talk about okay. the devastation. Okay. Um, the the ground actually ground zero, if you will, of of Hurricane Katrina was not in New Orleans. Hurricane uh, Ground Zero of Hurricane Katrina was closer to Biloxi, Mississippi, or Ocean Springs. Um, when we first got down there, we went around on our way to Ocean Springs. We went th- about uh, ten miles or so along the Gulf Coast, um, what they call Highway 90, and it was a very, very beautiful had been a very beautiful section of of the highway. Um, right there along on the on the one side, you can see the Gulf of Mexico, and there's this beautiful white sand beach. And on the other on the other side, used to be these wonderful, beautiful houses. A lot of large, large um, sort of almost lakefront type homes. Um, on the Gulf Front, I guess. Uh, that's exactly yeah, right. exactly right. <laughs> um, those most of those homes have been totally destroyed. Um, it was it was just it was overwhelming. To, to see the demonstra- to, to, to see the uh, devastation of the area and and after about you know we had we had we did probably about a 10 or 15 miles on that on that road after about about halfway through I mean and we were we were originally scheduled to be there for a week and about halfway halfway down this this road I said I wanted to say driver turn around there's nothing we can fix here in a week you know, just because I just I just felt so totally overwhelmed with the devastation, um, but then we got to the church and they said, "Okay, here's what you can do to make a difference in the lives of these people," and it was it was it was just very basic, simple, practical things: uh, volunteering with um, yard cleanup, um, and and they 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 call them yard crews, and I you know usually I think about yard yard crews doing like planting of annuals or perennials in and like doing some hedge trimming or something uh this was this was chainsaws this was cutting cutting up fallen trees um and just major you know just just very basic stuff like that so um you um 
uh, you were doing these little – I mean, you, you felt overwhelmed by it. And, of course, this, this group is working continually with groups coming down all the time. That's and, correct. But still, I mean, even if with, with hundreds of people, <coughs> we're still talking about – Yeah. It's, uh, the amount of work is so enormous that it's not really – it's going to make a small dent in the problem. Right. So, I mean, don't, don't you think there needs to be a massive federal uh, campaign Absolutely. to just, you know, the National Guard if they weren't – Busy wasting their time over somewhere else, uh, or some other enormous, organized, financially backed government Absolutely. agency to come in and start to work on this problem. That would be that would be wonderful, um, you know. And I really, you know, I, before I went down there, I was really down on FEMA, and I, I still am. You know, I, I I think that a lot of the the resources that that of the National Guard and whatnot that should have been available here in this country. You know, are obviously being deployed elsewhere, and um, and you know, I, I have that. That's an issue for me. But I guess my my um, personal sense is that while other people are talking about that and trying to decide the policy, there are people in the Gulf Mississippi Gulf Coast area who need help right now. Yeah. Um, you know the suicide rate, for instance, is up several hundred times over what it in in the in Mississippi Gulf Coast area is up several hundred times. I heard somebody told me nine hundred times what it used to what it was before Katrina. It's it's just people are feeling like you know devastated, yeah, what, destroyed. One of the things that that we we've heard a lot about in in uh, Louisiana is the racial issue. The fact that most of the hardest hit areas, the low lying areas, were were black. Mm. But apparently that's not true in the areas that you were um, that you were working in. That's right. That was that was not necessarily my experience. Um, there were I saw a number of of uh, uh, you know probably half or million dollar homes that were totally destroyed. And those and the insurance. What's uh, the insurance on those homes? Right. the The situation is that if those homeowners do not have if they live outside of the floodplain, they cannot buy flood insurance. If you do not have flood insurance and water comes up from the ground into your house and occupies the, the bottom six or eight feet of your house, you are you're you're, you're out of luck. You're just, there's just you, you get nothing. Um, so this is related to the suicide issue, absolutely. Perhaps absolutely um, right. And and people's people's lives and and uh, and the whole area was just totally devastated. So that's, I mean, and, and, you know, certainly, uh, I, I think what, what we did was very important and it was just sort of relating to, you know, a sort of a, almost a one-on-one kind of a work, you know, with helping a family or, uh, a, a, you know, a homeowner, um, with, with a, with a particular task, you know, helping them sort of get back in the process of, of reclaiming their lives and their, and their property and their home. Okay. And so uh, how did you pick that area in uh, Mississippi? That's just where your church uh, decided to send you? or? Well, um, that was a, the, 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 the particular congregation that we were staying at, Christus Victor Lutheran Church, had a history of involvement um, in, that, in the community. Um, and uh, they were, they, you know, the, I guess they had some connections with, uh, with, uh, with the National Lutheran Church 
and um, we're you know basically we're in a position to you know we're, we're geographically geographically in a position to to um, host a host an operation like this. The one of the interesting things about that though is that when Katrina happened, this congregation had no pastor. Um, they still don't have a full time pastor. They have a couple of interim interim people who are who are doing that doing the work temporarily uh, and as, a, as a congregation is, is getting ready to call a new pastor. But um, it's, just a, it's just an amazing, ma- amazing witness. Well, what, uh, what do you uh, think, if somebody hears this show and wants to help, I um, mean, you know, obviously there's, there's places to donate money to, but what if they want to do something like what you did to go down and actually spend a week or more? Uh, actually, there's a, this reminds me, there's a spring break program. Did you hear about that? It's for, for college students, instead of yeah. going to, to Florida or Cancun for spring break, they're, they're encouraging students to go down to the Gulf region right. and help. Right. Do right. you know anything, any, any information on how people can find out about that? Okay. What I, you know, uh, I, would, I would suggest maybe going on the, um, going on the web and, and Googling Katrina. And um, you know, the, the organization that I was working with, uh, the, the, the church was called Christus Victor. Lutheran Church, and they, they, they have a website, and it's Christus Victor Disaster Response dot org. Christus spelled C H R I S T U S Victor V I C T O R Disaster Response dot org. And we can put a link on. <coughs> and our that's website. the church in Mississippi. That's right. that's correct. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much for that. Uh, I wondered. You said you didn't spend any time in New Orleans. Though. You were really just just in that one area. We were just we yeah. were just in Mississippi. That's correct. Good. Are you planning to go back? Are you planning to go back? I I I feel I feel a need to go back. Yes, yeah, I, can absolutely. Ima- I, can, I can imagine. Do you have any final final things to t- um, to say about the well, experience? Um, I I I just I just it was it it has really drastically changed my life. I mean I it has it has affected my life in a, in a deep way. That I never would have guessed beforehand, but um, it's a it's a it's an opportunity, um, you know, for for people to get involved in in a project that, that will have immediate impact in in other people's lives, and it's it's a wonderful experience. And Lord knows the government isn't holding up its end. <laughs> well, that's so that's true. We too. can use all the uh, we can use all the all the help they can get down there. Right. Well, uh, Carl, thank you very much for for being on Left Out. Uh, we've been talking with Carl Johnson, who was a volunteer, went down to uh, Mississippi to help in the disaster relief in the wake of the Katrina disaster, and really was here to encourage everyone else to uh, consider going down and devoting their time, and I think it's a great great way to spend time if you do have it. Uh, so we'll, uh, we're going to uh, take a brief break very shortly. Uh, you can always call us uh, uh, at uh, 412 uh, 268-9728 if you want to talk to us uh, over the air you can or send electronic mail to uh, bob at leftout.info and we'll be uh, we'll be monitoring uh, we'll be monitoring the email during the show uh, so if we're uh, prepared for it I'm not positive we are uh, we'll, we can take a uh, brief well, musical break and we'll be back shortly I think our producer is uh, okay so let me mention then uh, a little news break I just got just uh, this second uh, while we were finishing up with Carl apparently um, uh, Olympia Snow of Maine and uh, Chuck Hagel of Nebraska uh, have uh, decided to sell out uh, in, on the, uh, the uh, investigation of the NSA domestic spying uh, program that the, that the uh, Bush administration has been perpetrating on the U.S. Uh, population contract 
contrary to the Constitution and contrary to the laws, and they are not going to have an investigation, a subcommittee to investigate it. Um, this is uh, this is a really a catastrophe because here we are uh, here we are in a situation where the Bush administration has willfully broken the law, willfully violated the Constitution, told the Congress to uh, kiss its behind, and Congress is kissing its behind. We'll come back and uh, talk a little bit more about that shortly. Uh, let's take a brief break. So we have here, uh, I, just before the break, I mentioned I just, uh, I just pulled up this article right this moment. Uh, maybe many of our listeners uh, know more about this than I do, but apparently it's just come out on CNN that there will be no investigation of the domestic spying program that the Bush administration has been perpetrating on the, on the United States citizens. No, um, not at all? None, they just, apparently they're not even going to do a, a fake hearing like they usually do. They're no, actually they create a new subcommittee to oversee NSA domestic spying, I'm reading. Uh, the NSA program has to be approved every 45 days by the new subcommittee, and there's a five-year sunset clause to make the whole program go away. So, in other words, uh, instead are of are they approving it? Are they giving it a rubber yeah, stamp? Yeah, exactly. Of so instead of having uh, instead of having a criminal administration, criminal investigation of the blatant crimes which have been flagrantly admitted by the Bush administration, as I said earlier, in which the Bush administration said, "Yes, we did this, and you can kiss our behinds." The uh, the Congress is bending over the true. Rep- Republican style, their patriotic Republicans are in there deciding that, well, the solution to this is to just uh, look the other way and to approve the program and not have any kind of investigation. So, so go ahead. Well, meanwhile, Bush's approval rating is, continues to drop. Um, <clears throat> Un- un- uh, unbelievable. Rapidly. Well, and um, I'm rather angry. Was, I would say call your senator. A lot of good it will do you, Senator Rick Santorum. Yeah, and, well, uh, I, that was actually a little all, thing. I, and and we, also on the committee, you can call uh, you can call, uh, you can call uh, uh, Arlen Specter, who is on the Intelligence Committee. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good that will do you, yeah. but uh, maybe it will make you feel better And uh, to call to complain about this because we are looking at a deliberate, willful, systematic violation of the law, a deliberate, willful, systematic violation of the Constitution, and we are looking at a president that considers himself to be above the law, and our Congress is going to just uh, is just going to turn its back and decide that well, this is just all well and good, fine and dandy, yeah. no problem, nothing to see here, nothing interesting. Well, move along. So I wanted to. This leads into one of the topics uh, was <clears throat> basically uh, just looking around at, at the media, and um, there there are more and more uh, uh, organizations that have been calling for um, Bush's imp- impeachment or at least an investigation into it in Congress. Um, one of the latest ones, a uh, couple I, I noticed this week, one was from Garrison Keillor of uh, Prairie Home Companion fame, has, has called for impeachment in an article that he wrote called What to Do When the Emperor Has No Clothes. And that appeared in the Chicago Tribune, and there's a link to it on our website. Uh, another one that recently came out was uh, in Harper's Magazine. It's kind of a liberal magazine, but still, uh, this is a main article in the, the, the uh, March issue by Lewis Lapham, the case for impeachment, why we can no longer afford George W. Bush, which summarizes his view of the case. Um, most of that information came from the um, report by a, the a minority report of the House Judiciary Committee um, that put out a report called The Constitution in Crisis, the Downing Street Minutes and Deception, Manipulation, Torture, Retribution, and Cover-Ups in the Iraq War. So that title kind of summarizes the five or six different um, different impeachable things. Oh, that does that was came out even before the um, the wiretapping uh, scandal. This that is, report by uh, that was John Conyers of the um, House Judiciary Committee had that report. 
that's so, the minority report, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a, it's a great resource for just sort of looking at the very detailed factual uh, evidence and the timelines of what was said and what was done and, and uh, um, things that happened. Uh, I also wrote a letter to the, um, the Post-Gazette um, on January 7th, which didn't get published, um, but uh, I'll just read you a little bit of the letter because it's uh, kind of relevant to this. And On September 13th, 1998, the editors of the Post-Gazette called for President Clinton to resign. His crime was having an affair with Monica Lewinsky and lying about it. At the same time, about a, a dozens of other newspapers across the country called for his resignation. We now have a president who has lied repeatedly to the American people and to Congress about matters of war and peace with dire consequences that we all know about. Yet there have been no calls for his resignation or impeachment by any major newspaper. Why? And then my letter goes on to talk about a few of the more things that he did um, and uh, the, the, the illegal things and then points out even the legal things that he did are endangering the country, such as going to massive debt, cutting taxes on the rich, gutting FEMA, opposing the Kyoto Accords, and so on. So um, they didn't publish my letter. I guess a little bit too, uh, too sharp for them, uh, comparing what their response to Clinton for the Monica Lewinsky scandal compared to their non-response to Bush. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, they're, they're so keen to uh, to bring the rule of law to President Clinton when uh, and now here we have here we have the rise of fascism in America. We have the rise of an authoritarianism in America, and we're seeing it every day. Every day, more and more evidence of this comes along, and and our Congress certainly is not doing anything about it. The Supreme Court is absolutely in cahoots uh, over this. What defense do we have? What is going yeah. to happen? I mean, what is going to happen here? It, it, it's outrageous. They are systematically, deliberately violating law. And we must remember that it's a direct violation of the law. It's a direct violation of the Constitution. And they have their little theories, and their theory is that the president can do whatever he wants. The president is above the law. And, and, and yet, you know, you say his approval rating is 37 percent. It's true that, it, that Bush's approval rating is 37 percent, and that's just about the lowest of any president I think that's been recorded. It's comparable I heard to it was Nixon lower than that, actually. Like, uh, the coming, lower, may lower even third. be lower depending yeah. on the poll. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but then I have to ask myself, what 37 percent of the people are possibly supporting this? How can you possibly be supporting this? The ones who aren't listening to this well, it could be it could be complete it could be complete ignorance. That's certainly part of it. But actually, it brings it brings another point, which I think it really has to be said, which is the, those thirty seven percent. I don't know. I don't know very much about the how the poll is conducted. You know exactly wh- how they how you know what the questions were that were asked. So it's a little certain amount of vagueness. But it's certainly clear that you know there's a good one third to forty percent, something like this, of of the country who are absolutely pro Bush no matter what. And so then you ask yourself. What is with these people? Well, there's a, there's a, I mean, really, if you, let's assume that they're, that they, they that they're reasonably representative in terms of like the, uh, the demographics of the U.S., income levels and so on. Maybe they're not, I'm not sure. Um, so let's say they're average person. So what could, what is there possibly to support about President Bush? Is gr- grotesquely incompetent. Grotesquely, incompetent. yeah, but they're watching Fox News okay. and they're watching, they're, they're, or even the main, even the mainstream, if you watch Tim Russert, even even the so-called unbiased news, I mean, unbiased news. When he gets he gets half he gets more than half Republicans on there, and they're just he Cheney gets on there and lies, and, and he treats him with such respect and deference. Um, this is the they pick it up from that. 
Uh, this is certainly part I mean, of it. I look what, what happened. The, the other is that the, these people are not, as we've said many times on Left Out, these people are not conservatives. There's nothing conservative about them. Right. There's an interesting. Uh, there's an, many. There's been a number of very interesting. Well, didn't William Buckley come out with some some uh, about the Iraq War? This yeah, pertains yeah, to the Iraq right, War. Right. Oh well, at the moment, yes. Yeah, so we'll get to that later. The the rats are jumping from the sinking ship. Uh, William Crystal was on uh, the last two weekends on the uh, on Press the Meat and related programs in which they was uh, talking about that the that the Iraq War has been lost. And now you know I'm old enough to remember the Vietnam War. And, uh, you know, I'm not over the Vietnam syndrome. You know, being over the Vietnam syndrome means forgetting about Vietnam, <laughs> as you've pointed out and left out before. The, uh, the argument is exactly, exactly precisely what happened with the Vietnam War, which is the reason we lost is because we didn't fight it properly. Oh, Crystal's saying that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. It, okay. Hasn't been proper, it hasn't been properly fought. Otherwise, of course, we would have a glorious victory. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, it's unbelievable. As if there is some scenario short of you know, absolute eradication of every living form in the entire region that would have anything like resembling a victorious outcome. But we'll, come back, we'll come back to that a little later. There's been a number of, uh, of articles in the last couple of weeks by uh, Glenn Greenwald, who is a blogger who I, I often read, uh, something called Unclaimed Territory. We'll, uh, I can provide a link to this on the Left Out webpage a little later. One is uh, uh, one that I saw recently is called now uh, titled "Now in Power: Conservatives Reverse Their Purported Belief in Federalism." So this is actually written by someone named Hypatia. I'm not sure who that is, but it's on Glenn Greenwald's blog. Uh, Greenwald is taking a uh, taking a leave as of yesterday, and I have some other uh, uh, some other uh, interesting uh, articles by him directly. But the uh, the point is is uh, is that the as I was uh, starting to mention earlier is you know these people are not are not conservatives and so suddenly you know the conservatives who are who are so staunch and adamant supporters of federalism and in states' rights and and keeping the federal government out of our lives right now all of a sudden you know what happened to federalism now we have you know these campaigns to overturn for example Roe v Wade as as an example uh, or we have the the behavior of this kind of uh, uh, you know this domestic the, the spying programs, the imposition of federal law in death penalty cases. Uh, you know all the way so down. They're not, all they're the way now down in the favor line. of federalism, <clears throat> federal mandates. They're now, yeah, federal they're now mandates, all behind that, all the way down the line, because it's a matter of uh, convenience for for their uh, for their own uh, for their own political objectives. And so we see, you know, all the way down the line, a complete disregard. It seems to me for what anything resembling uh, conservative conservative uh, values. Yeah. I want to make another related point, um, and then um, we should talk about voting, the voting machine issue that's come up. Oh, we'll get to um, that. Mm-hmm. If you want to give us a call, you can call us at uh, 412-268-9728. So uh, one other, I want to briefly mention this related story, which I've put a, a notes on the uh, Left Out website. Um, it's about the 60 Minutes Bush Guard story, uh, where, where um, this is related because it has to do with Bob's comment of how could they continue to support Bush, and my answer is the media. And the media is just simply not covering this in a way that's compelling enough. Um, and one of the big reasons is that th- they've managed to tout to get big media uh, to force their way. And one of the, I think, a very, I think, a great example of this was what happened regarding the 60 Minutes story that was it came out last year um, before the 2004 election, um, where they uh, the 60 Minutes with Dan Rather did a story about. Um, Bush's, um, the story of Bush's getting into the National Guard in Texas. And um, in the story, they had some memos um, 
about letting Bush into the uh, National Guard and jumping him ahead of the other people and so on, um, which kind of proved that he had been given special treatment and, and so on to get into the National Guard, which isn't surprising and it's kind of obvious, but this was, you know, documentation. and um, so, they had, um, uh, so they had these memos, and uh, after the story, a bunch of bloggers and conservative bloggers attacked the memos, and the White House actually published the memos uh, you know, on their website, and these these bloggers attacked them and said, "Well, you know, the typesetting technology, the typewriting technology that existed in the in the seventies when these memos were typed didn't ex- right. didn't mm-hmm. exist in that time, and therefore they must be forgeries, and therefore the whole story is a is you know a crock, and uh, you know is is garbage." Well, uh, this went on for a while. The mainstream media newspapers covered this whole thing. CBS uh, lashed into this, and what happened was Dan Wetter got kicked. Uh, off of May, he lost his job as an anchor on CBS News, and three of the uh, the major producers in that for that for sixty minutes were fired because of this thing. Well, one of those producers has written a book uh, called uh, her name is Mary Mapes, and she wrote a book called Truth and Duty: The Press, President, and the Privilege of Power about her experience in this particular incident. And just one of the things that. I, most of our listeners probably don't know because this has gotten almost no mainstream media coverage. Is that all this analysis that was done by these 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 republic these conservative bloggers uh, talk about how these memos were forgeries was complete garbage. Uh, Mary Mapes uh, dug into this and she found a whole lot of contemporaneous memos from the same offices uh, as this this as the memo as the, as the um, Disputed memo came from, and those were typed with the same typewriting technology, the same uh, proportional spacing, and other issues. So that that issue was complete nonsense. And so the story uh, got shot down. It was a, apparently a correct, accurate story. It got shot down. Uh, the implication, the, the end result was uh, that this group who came up against Bush, who dared on the mainstream media to do a story against Bush, they got slapped down and hard. Now, what is that going to do to the media? When you have that kind of thing happening, we have a caller. Go ahead. We have a caller from Brad, uh, voice of dissent from Pittsburgh. Go, go ahead, Brad. Go ahead, Brad. Hello. Hi, you're on the left out. Yes, hi. Well, I guess I'd be right out. No, I've just been listening uh, with some interest to your uh, ongoing discussion uh, about uh, Bush and, and everything. And um, I, you know, I voted for Bush the last two terms. I support Bush overall. I certainly don't agree with everything he's done. And if anything, the last eight years, I think, have shown a lot of us that the eight years of Bush haven't been a whole lot different than the eight years of Clinton, and that in both uh, cases there was plenty of scandals, lots of unanswered questions, and as with anybody in power. Oh, really? There's, there's, so, there's, for there's example... Always, there's always preferential treatment. I see. Oh, you so know, this, the systematic violation of the Constitution was done under Clinton? Where yeah, was the systematic violation of the Constitution? Where was the deliberate breaking of the law? Uh, flagrant uh, well, breaking well, the of the law. The difference, well, one difference, and the reason why, why uh, Clinton had the impeachment proceedings. No, Clinton, Clinton didn't lied, have any Clinton, impeachment Clinton proceedings. Well, the Republicans Clinton, had an impeachment proceedings. Clinton, Clinton lied to a grand jury. Clinton was in a legal proceeding where he was required by a legal Bush lied in the, in the State of the Union address to the entire nation and the Congress. Well, that's Bush is, illegal. Bush is not, that's no, that's that illegal. Well, he lying no, to Congress is illegal. That's an impeachable offense. He may have a moral obligation. He doesn't have a. He's not. Uh, there is not a strict legal obligation. Uh, what but, moral obligation you know, to, to, again, to you, obey? You would, to uphold you, and defend you would, the Constitution well, of the United one, States? 
one long, well, you know, one long going uh, issue. Okay, the the what the uh, reason for going to war in Iraq. Okay, which is a, a pack of lies. What about the upholding and defend the Constitution of the let United me, States? Let me. Can I can I speak too, or am I just going to listen to you? Because I'll just listen to the radio if I'm going to listen to you. Go ahead. Make your point. All right. Well, all right. Well, all right. You will say that there's no proof of there being weapons of mass destruction. Correct. Correct. No proof of there being weapons of mass yeah, you're destruction. You're saying that it's, that 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 was one of the big lies is that there's no proof that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. Well, I'll tell you what the lie was, but go ahead and finish first, if you well, want. Well, all right, well, my point is, you know, that, that's, that, that's a common theme we hear from the left, is that Bush lied. There's, you know, there's no, we found no weapons of mass destruction. My argument to that would be, can you prove they didn't exist? No, no, and no, no, no let me explain prove... it. Let me explain it to you. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know your name, but... Um, Brad. Brad, yeah, um... What he did was he misrepresented what he knew. All the information he got had, was full of caveats, full of dissent, full of descending opinions. For example, the aluminum tubes. He went, and Colin Powell did this too, and Bush did it, and Cheney did it, they all did it. They went up and said, these aluminum tubes were for, for you know, nuclear processing, period. There is no doubt. They said that over and over again. Well, it turns out they were getting contrary opinions from the Department of Energy and the Department of State experts. From and this has come CIA. from their own people from in the government so, who are saying so they those were tubes, wrong. Those, so they were wrong. But no, they, they were not wrong. They, they were just wrong. They were systematically they were, misrepresenting. They were misrepresenting the information they had. They were lying. They, no, they, they were saying. No, they, they, were saying say, they were saying what had been presented to them. Some of by U.S. intelligence. Some by British. You, you, you know, Brad. You know, Brad. I, yes. I, I would. I would have to say if you either you can you can take that position, but if you honestly believe it, you're a fool. Thank you, you very, read, thank you very much. Name-calling name is always the easiest way to get no, out, out of an argument, isn't it's, it? It's not name-calling. It's, it's, it's an observation that anyone who believes that there's some honesty there is completely foolish. These people are systematic liars, systematic misrepresentations. <laughs> Let me make one other comment. Go ahead, uh, please. Okay. Brad, if you, I would suggest uh, that you read the Conyers report because it lays it out in very clear, factual ways over, you know, right through. Um, so, uh, I suggest you read that report. Um, okay. Well, and, thanks and for calling. Let me Brad. ask you this. Uh, I'll do one more question for you. All right. You know, for, forget about the whole argument of weapons of mass destruction. Are you going to tell me the world is not a safer place without Saddam Hussein in power of that country than than what he was? That safer. The, that the Iraqi people. Safer for whom? It's not, it's not safer for anybody. It's not safer. Sure it's it much worse for everybody. It's worse for it's everyone. It's worse for the Iraqis. It's thousands worse for and the, thousands it's and worse thousands for of people are being killed. Hundreds of Iraqis have died. In Iraqis. We, we have um, hundreds of people no were dying every year no under Saddam Hussein. No threat to the United the States of America. Now, the difference so is now the Iraqis never had a chance to kill each com other. Complete fabrication. I mean, okay. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for calling and continue to live in your world. Uh, that's great. Thanks for calling Left Out. Uh, but there's our answer to our question, who could possibly support George Bush? Uh, someone who believes, uh, who believes that, for example, we went to Iraq in order to liberate Iraqis from Saddam Hussein. Uh, if you believe that, well, there's a lot you'll believe. That's an example of 30% of the people. I yeah. think the other aspect that I was uh, alluding to earlier before we move on to the voting machines issue is uh, the, the quest for authoritarianism. And there's a substantial number of people in the United States who want a daddy figure, who want a father figure, who like authoritarianism. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if there's anything that is more anti-American, the thing that is completely against our principles, the principles of the Constitution, the principles of the country from day one, it's an opposition to authoritarianism. And what we see is the continual rise and abetting of authoritarianism. Now we have that the Senate is deciding that we don't need to investigate a flagrant and deliberate breaking of the law, flouting of the law. By the, by the president who willfully asserts that he's above the law, can do whatever he pleases uh, according to his own criteria and without any, without any regard for the Constitution, without any regard for legal matters. And, and there is a certain percentage of people who think that that ought to be the case. That, that's nothing short of authoritarianism. Yeah. That's part of the right. rise of fascism right. Right. in every authoritarian state. We also see now also the Bush administration going aggressively after what they, what, what they call leaks. These are leaks that are, are politically embarrassing, mm-hmm. not leaks that they perpetrate, not leaks that they put out in order to their advantage. No, no, they're going after leaks that reporters who report the leaks that happen to be embarrassing to them. Right. This is exactly the same in any authoritarian, in any authoritarian government on the face of the earth. This is what happens. Exactly the same in, in, in every circumstance. And so we see, I think, a, a systematic and continuing rise of authoritarianism in the U.S. And people, I think, should be terrified of this. Yeah. This is, uh, this is absolutely contrary to every principle. It has nothing whatsoever to do with security. Nothing whatsoever to do with with well, a- a- any of the nonsense that this fool in Washington spouts, it 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 it, 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 it is completely a bald assertion and grab of power. Yeah, um, just one little response to what um, the caller said that <clears throat> the idea mm-hmm. that somehow this has improved this the this uh, <laughs> safety of this country is just I mean. That's, that's absurd. I don't think any, even the experts are not saying that. I mean, it, that the, the, that the rise in, in, in anti-Americanism all over the world has been tremendously bolstered by, by, by this, this illegal, immoral war. Um, you can give us a call at, uh, 412-268-9728. Um, if you don't agree with us, we'll, we'll argue with you. Um, as you, as you could, you heard, but you're still welcome to call. Um, Let's talk about the voting machine issue uh, for the next 15 minutes before the show ends. Um, So uh, there's a lot going on. It's kind of the process of uh, checking voting machines in in the county has been ongoing for, 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 you know, nine months or so. And um, just recently the the election board uh, voted, uh, apparently uh, decided to go with a certain contract from a company called Sequoia Systems to make the voting machines for Allegheny County. And apparently Sequoia is going to be getting these machines deployed as soon as possible, even in time for the May primary. Um, now, um, there have been a number of public meetings that um, uh, Bob and I have gone to various me- of these meetings and listened and talked at the meetings, and some of them were interesting. Uh, I went to one on um, February 27th, and I was just kind of shocked to hear some of the comments by the the voting bo- uh, the members of this voting board. There were three three people on this this commission that was making this decision: uh, John DeFazio, um, uh, Dave Fawcett, and uh, the county executive um, Dan Honorado. So um, it was a couple of things were said that just shocked me uh, by those people that that. Uh, made me feel like they just either were some sort of political process that forced them or they were just not paying attention at all. For example, John DeFazio um, said there are no certified machines that had a voter verifiable, pa- voter verifiable paper trail that we were allowed to approve. Well, it's not true. Uh, there is a class of machines that uh, do have a voter verifiable paper trail. 
Those are the optical scan machines. You take a ballot, you mark it with a pen, uh, pencil or pen, uh, <clears throat> to mark it who you're voting for, you stick it into a, an optical reader, it reads your vote, the, the ballot goes into a box, that ballot becomes the voter fair verifiable paper trail. And those machines have been available and they satisfy the state uh, requirements. Um, those, but somehow DeFazio uh, made the statement that there were there were no options that had a voter verifiable paper trail, uh, which was just ridiculous. After all these months of of work uh, and the, the testimony by me and Bob Harper and and uh, and uh, uh, Dave Eckert and other people who are experts on these things, uh, more expert than 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 me and Bob. Um, so uh, that was one thing. Another thing that was said to Dan Honorado, sort of some. One voter asked a question, um, one, one member of the audience asked a question saying, well, uh, what's going to happen if we have a vote and the, the, the counts come out to be completely preposterous? But they're just so wrong and we don't have any way of recounting them. Uh, Honorado's answer was, well, the current lever machines don't have a paper trail either. Well, that completely misses the point that us computer scientists have been making that the mechanical machines are not like the electronic machines. The electronic machines can be corrupted and changed in much more <clears throat> dramatic course, ways, yeah. much more <clears throat> surreptitiously um, uh, that, 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 that you can't do with a mechanical machine. You can do it on a grand scale all, all across the county. You can do it um, to make the machine behave in completely arbitrary ways because it's an electronic machine. It's a computer. And he, just to classify those as being the same uh, is just... Uh, you know, well, and and moreover, just the fact that that some that you know something is wrong doesn't mean that uh, therefore you know we can't uh, we shouldn't just because we didn't have any audit capability on those machines doesn't mean we shouldn't have them on right. on the new machines. That's right. Uh, so so that was just so frustrating to hear those things stated uh, during the meeting. Um, meanwhile, another frustrating thing happened, which was um, editorial in the Post Gazette uh, came out on Friday, uh, applauding Honorado's decision or the committee's decision uh, to go with the Sequoia. Um, touchscreen machines, uh, the DREs, um, they call them, um, which don't have a paper trail. Um, now they don't have a paper trail because the state has not certified any of the machines that have a paper, the options for paper trails on the Sequoia machines. Uh, they could eventually certify them, uh, but if they did, they would be so-called cut and drop paper trails, which, in my view, are not as good as the. Um, the actual ballots that you get. So with it's it, essentially with, spitting out a cash register receipt. Yeah, a little curly yeah. little piece of paper that's yeah. hard mm-hmm. to read, and that's mm-hmm. going to be what they're going to have to recount. I see. Um, but those haven't even been certified but, by but the state currently. But that's not permitted by the state at the yeah, moment. Yes, so be- mm-hmm. because of some fine print in the law that Mike Seamus found, uh, in which he um, pointed out that these, these, these uh, cut-and-drop printers, they put other things on the ballot, like a barcode. Mm-hmm. And that barcode just you know encapsulates what's printed out in readable form, but according to the law... That that ballot can only have voter readable information on it. Right. So therefore, a barcode, even if it transcribes what's there and it can be verified by anybody, you know, with a barcode reader that it says the same thing, that's, that's not, not allowed yeah, not by the law. And so readable. Mike Seamus right. is nitpicking this law to block these um, these types of these types of things from even the poor method of cut and drop is being blocked by the by right, this reading of the, the law. Because the UPC is, a, is an international standard, so. It can be read. I mean, it's yeah. not that it's unreadable. Right, right. It's just not readable by, by, a, human by a human eye. Yeah. But it can be verified that it does transcribe yeah. exactly what's yeah, on exactly, the rest yeah. of the thing. Is not that's not mm-hmm. anyway. So um, the editorial came out, and that was just frustrating because it was just full of, um, I mean, ridiculous statements. The, the editorial applauding the decision of the election board to buy these uh, these DRE machines. Um, well, even before the decision, the Post Gazette was urging them to buy 
quotes, touchscreen machines. I remember this quite vividly, where the issue is not at all whether to buy touchscreen machines. The, the issue is to comply with the Help American Votes Act, uh, the most, uh, one of the most important provisions of which is uh, a- access for the, for the physically handicapped and physically, right. physically disabled, uh, which uh, is a perfectly reasonable goal, and we should, be, uh, we should be achieving that as rapidly as possible. But the Post-Gazette twists that into that what, we, what we're supposed to be doing is to buy touchscreen machines and get it over with, as if touchscreen machine is the answer to anything. It's got nothing right. to do with got neither here nor there. <clears throat> they said uh, the same thing in this current editorial that came out on Friday. Yeah, they said similar got a, things. They've got a big thing about touchscreen machines. And so, for example, they say, um, uh, it says, uh, so I, 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 in the, the website, I went through and dissect the editorial and, and, and sort of explain why it's, it's preposterous and, and factually incorrect in all these different ways. But one aspect was it says, um, Americans trust computers for life and death functions every day, and it seems to us that paper ballots run through a scanner are not how most Americans will vote as the 21st century advances. So, I know. Oh, I see. So, I your vision of the future <laughs> exactly. that Americans will not vote <laughs> in that manner, well, we have to carry out that naive, silly, dangerous vision that you have. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't make, make any much sense. It doesn't make any sense at the all. Co- and the cost factors of maintaining these machines, I think, are. are wasn't there a case in? Was it in Maryland? Wasn't it where we uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago I saw a memorandum from the government and it ended up costing you know a huge factor more like right. a factor of ten a factor of ten more, more money. The governor was, of Maryland uh, wrote an art, a letter right. to the election commission there saying, "What have you done?" Is yeah. pointing the, the cost overruns are immense. I mean, they. I mean, I can. T- the, 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 actually, the editorial goes on to talk about how expensive it is to operate the the, um, the optical scan machines mm-hmm. because you've got to print all these, you know, thousands of ballots. Well, first of all, you've got to print ballots anyway. For we've got to print some. You've got to prepare the ballot anyway for ex- absentees right. anyway. You've got to prepare right. the, That's certainly the true. form. You've got to have the form ready. Right. right. Yeah. But it turns out that the voting machines themselves, I mean, you've got these big, heavy machines. They break. They wear out. You have to store them all somewhere. You have, there's all these costs associated with these DRE machines. Sure, you don't have to print a piece of paper, but it obso- turns out that when you actually... obsolescent in five years and obsolete in ten, that's for sure. It turns out that when you actually look at the cost, it, the optical scans turn out cheaper. And so but what yet, will be happening you know, is thing. we'll have to upgrade to the next version of Windows. Often, I don't know about the Sequoia machine, but the Diebold runs Windows. Yeah, I right? know. It's astonishing. And, and the county will have to pay for that. I mean, I can just see the whole scam going, emerging. So, uh, so for example, with the optical scan, you, you can have several people voting at once, marking their ballots, and have one reader that they each go through sequentially stick it in. It takes only a second to read the to read the to read it in the optical a, scan. Record, so yeah. I saw where, it where demonst- on the, on the, demonstrated on the, at the at the uh, at the uh, event that the county yeah. held uh, last uh, November. Right. I think it was yeah yeah. So mm-hmm. so but whereas the other machines, you have to have a big touchscreen machine that might take two, three, four, five minutes to vote, and mm. while you're voting, you have that machine to yourself. So you've got to have a lot of those big, heavy, expensive machines to do the voting, whereas the op scan, you have to only have to have one reader for a lot of different people voting at once. So it's just, um, uh, I think, a you know ridiculous whitewash. Oh, they also talk about how, oh, they say that the, um, the, the, these optical scan things are an echo of what happened in Florida. Well, these are not the ones that were used in Florida that caused all the problems. The ones that caused the problems were the, the punch cards where you, you punch a little hole in a, in a card and then if the, the depo- place to deposit the, the shards gets filled up, then you can't 
it doesn't fall out of the card when you punch it. Right. Uh-huh. That, that that's not that's not the that's not the same system. Right. And the butterfly ballot was another one which is very confusingly designed. Yeah, that's right. not what we're talking about here. So right. the, the the auditorial was just full of it's a complete it, mess it's, I know. it's just a white so, so the question is so apparently the county now is officially is it is it irrevocably decided now that they're going with this uh touchscreen machine from uh, i don't Sequoia? i don't think so okay. i think there's still some some pressure that can be applied but i don't really know the political details of i see what i think there was next. a meeting by the uh, by the board of elections tonight wasn't there yes uh, on this matter and i'm and not Richard sure king went to that meeting he was here on, on left out he's been on left out months before ago, yeah. he's a local activist on the on the voter verifiable paper trail well we'll try to keep you posted on this i think it's a very uh important issue for everyone to pay attention to uh even to the limited extent that danny and i have been involved it's uh completely clear that the whole thing is a bit of a circus and it's extremely difficult to understand what's really going on and who's really thinking what because some of the things that people say the politicians say are so absurd that yeah. you wonder like wow well, uh, is he, you know, is he is, just stupid or is he not just paying is any he, is attention he, to what right. we're saying at all i mean yeah it, i can't really quite grasp it why why is this going on and you know you can uh formulate all sorts of uh uh, theories of your own about what might really be going on, but it seems to us that the uh, county, uh, and not merely Allegheny County, all across the country, but certainly in Allegheny County, is in the process of making, I think, a decision which is uh, we're going to pay for both literally and figuratively <laughs> yeah. over the uh, over the long run. That uh, uh, that I think could very well be uh, could very well be a, a, a disaster. So uh, this is uh, this is an important issue, and I encourage everyone to pay attention. If you'd like to give us a call, we're at four one two two six eight nine seven two eight, or so you can also send mail to Bob at uh, leftout.info, and we uh, actually have uh, electronic mail from a listener here. Uh, this person asked me if I may scan quickly to talk about privatization of healthcare. Um, and I think this is a topic for another left out. We only have a couple of more minutes remaining. Well, but, there was uh, an excellent editorial. Thank you for article. mentioning this. There was an excellent article by Paul Krugman that appeared in the New York Review of Books about this whole issue. Oh, yes, that's a very good point. So yeah. this was uh, this was electronic mail received from someone named Jim uh, who uh, has sent us electronic mail in the past, and we'll keep it in mind as a topic for the future. But yes, I, it, it, very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, there is a good article by uh, Paul Krugman and uh, well, Wells. I've forgotten the guy's uh, first name, Krugman and Wells, in the yeah. current issue of the New York Review of Books about uh, the healthcare system in America, kind of giving a uh, an economist view of the economics of the of the situation, where the costs are coming and what is really expensive, what kinds of uh, remedies could possibly uh, be of help and what we should do. And Krugman, as uh, anyone who's read any of Krugman's columns in the last few years knows, uh, that uh, is a strongly an advocate of having a um, national insurance program, not a not a privatization of the provision of medical care, but it actually yeah. a centralized insurance system yeah. because of the efficiencies that accrue. And he points out, for example, how well the Veterans Administration hospital system works for this reason and so on. But also there's an economic analysis of where the money's going and where the where the spending is. And, uh, there's, a, and there's a bunch of fundamental problems in the system that he points out. That, I mean, we can talk about it another So we uh, thank you, Jim, for sending us a mail on that. We'll try to uh, we'll try to make, uh, make room for this topic uh, in a future left out. Uh, in two weeks' time, we'll have 
Levon Mark Levine, I believe, is that right? Right, right. Who's a professor of political science, I believe, at the University of California, Irvine, who's a specialist in Middle East affairs and has the, uh, the, uh, gained the notoriety of being one of the 100 most dangerous professors in America. According to and, Mark uh, Horowitz. David Horowitz. David, uh, Horowitz, uh, David okay. Horowitz's, uh, uh, new book. You can have a look at that whenever you like. Uh, it, the, 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 the chief uh, attribute of David Horowitz's book is it cannot be parodied. It's a self parody. <laughs> it's a self parody. It's, it, it, he criticizes uh, professors for criticizing their colleagues, for example. That's one of their criteria, known to criticize her are, colleagues. Are, are you so, in the book? Uh, I'm not in the book yet, but I'm maybe after here. we have Mark Levine on the air, we will be in the book. Well, thank you very much for listening to Left Out. This is the end of another program. Uh, we're very grateful to uh, Matt Horniak for producing today's program, and we hope you'll be back in two weeks' time. Thank you for calling. Thank you for Electronic Mail. See you soon. Bye.